God broke through to a lost, dying, hopeless world. And the thing I love about Jesus is he's still breaking through today. He's breaking through our hearts, he's breaking through our lives, and he's coming in loud and strong. And I believe that God's going to speak to us this morning through his word. And so I'm going to invite you to get your Bibles out, your sermon notes out. If you're in junior high or high school, you saw the, the fuel kids taken off. And so if you're in junior high and high school, you can head up to Fuel. It's the young, uh, young people's uh, Sunday school class, and so they're going to go up there, and we're going to dive into God's Word. Down here, we're in a series called Breakout. We're breaking out beyond the barriers of life. And I want to talk to you about that today at Christmas time, because I believe that God wants to speak to us in a very real way at the end of one year and the beginning of a new year. I believe God is increasing our influence as a church, as people. The calling on our life is growing. The anointing is growing. He's empowering us in greater ways. I am not just feeling that in my own personal time with the Lord, but I'm getting uh, calls and emails from people that I believe have a prophetic gift around the nation saying God is speaking to Christian Life Church that it has only just begun. That there is something coming that is so far beyond what you've ever seen in the past. And and, and I'm I'm so excited because I'm not sure exactly what it looks like, but I know God is up to something big because these people, right, and they said, God woke me up in the middle of the night with this dream about you, and I know it was from God because I don't even think about you, and yet God spoke to me about you, and, and I say thank you for being obedient. But God has something great for our lives. It's not just for our church, it's for each one of us. God is going to do something uh, supernatural in our lives. And, and I just want to share with you today, because I think what happens in our life too often is we settle. We settle for less than God's best. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, is to not settle for less than God's very best. And you may say, well, I'm not one that settles. But you know what? The honest truth is that so many people settle. So many people in our world settle. They're so far in debt, they said, you know, there's no way. I'll never pay all my bills. I'll never be out of debt. I'll never have the marriage or the family that I want. It's impossible. I'll never break this addiction. I'll never be healthy. I'll never be strong. I'll never do well in school. I'm a C student. I'll never do any better. I have this level in my job. I'll never go any higher. I'll never do anything else. And sometimes that even comes into our relationship with God. I'm just, I'm comfortable with God, and it's good, and I come to church, and so, and, and, we, and we get locked into settling for less than God's best in pretty much every area of our life, because it's easy. The problem with settling is this, you will lose your passion, you will lose your fire, you will lose the yearnings that God has placed inside of you. And I just want to tell you this very clearly, that you cannot settle and still live the Spirit-filled life. You can't. Because God's going to ask you to do things that are beyond your ability. They will not be comfortable. You will not be able to settle if you want to live a Spirit-filled life. Why? Because God created you. Jesus died for you. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. God living inside of you. God created you for something special. He's equipped you. He's empowered you. The enemy wants to contain you. 
For, for men, that means that the devil puts eight men in a box when you're trying to run the ball. You know, he's going to try and stop you. He's going to try and contain you. And it's going to be like, okay, well, I'm just going to settle then because it's getting harder. And God says, I've got something worth fighting for. I've got something that's worth so much more than you settling. And I just want to tell you today that God hates settling. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 6, you stayed at this mountain long enough. God tells the children of Israel, listen, I delivered you from slavery. I have given you the promised land, and you have sat in the wilderness far too long. Why did they sit in the wilderness? Because they settled. Because what they were looking at was too difficult, and they were scared to death. It says in Numbers chapter 13, beginning of verse 25, after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community that they had what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a beautiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. He just comes in and interrupts him and he says, Let's go there at once and take the land. We can certainly conquer it. I love that. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread a bad report about the land among the Israelites. They settled because it was going to be hard. It was going to be difficult. They were scared. I am encouraging you not to settle between being delivered from slavery of sin and the promised land. Don't settle because God has so much more For you, will it be easy? No. Will it be better? It'll be the best. It's your place of miracles. Do not act weak. Put on a warrior spirit. Don't live in the wilderness just because it's a little better than slavery. Go into the promised land. Why? Because the Lord is with you. You are not alone. Pearls are rare, they're valuable, they're beautiful. Why? Because they're, they're, they're special. The oyster uh, has an irritation between itself and the shell, and so it's kind of like the oyster getting a splinter, and so it puts this hard substance on where that irritation is, and that begins to form the pearl. And the, the, the greater the irritation, the bigger the irritation, the bigger the pearl that's coming. And, and, and I believe that, that the irritations in our life, the difficulties in life, the troubles in our lives are actually there for God to do something beautiful and valuable. He is the potter. We are the clay. He's at work. He's shaping us. He's molding us. We're like this lump of clay. And it's hard to get mashed and pulled and, and, and formed. And then right before that, that piece of pottery comes out, it's put into the fire. It's put into the kiln. And and, and you feel like, is this ever going to end? But what comes out is so 
beautiful. And the New Testament is so clear that it says He wants us to share in His sufferings. I don't like those verses. I want to share in His resurrection. I want to share in the victory. But it says over and over again, I want you to share in my sufferings. And the reason Jesus wants us to share in His sufferings is because it's through our sufferings that we're made like Him. You will not be made more Christ-like if you're settling, if life is easy. If you're just like, you know what, I don't want to fight anymore. I don't want to, I'm just, I'm just going to settle. You will never become more like Christ. It's our sufferings that, that, that are there that we partake in those. and Don't settle just because it's hard. God has so much more for you. There's a story in the Gospels in Mark chapter 2. I'll read it to you here in the beginning of verse 1. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors there was no more room. Even outside the door, uh, even outside the door, uh, even outside the door, sorry, period. <laughs> I, my glasses aren't working that well this morning, so I'm, I need to, I keep making the font bigger, and um, pretty soon I'll have like one word per page here. But uh, <laughs> while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head, and then they lowered the man on the mat right down there in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. But the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to a paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. You probably heard this story in Sunday school, so you're like, I know this story. Pastor Darrell, you can't read it, but I already know it. So it's, it's, it's easy. But, but I want you to think about how crazy this story is. Imagine if Jesus was here today. And by the way, he is. But imagine Jesus was preaching, and he's kind of in the center of the room, and we are so packed out that we have to close and lock all the doors so that nobody else can get in. And, and so we, we are packed out every place, everywhere. And then all of a sudden, as Jesus is teaching, we start hearing some, some knocking on the roof, and some hammers and saws, and, and some dust begins to fall. And all of a sudden, the hole opens up, and this paralyzed man starts being let down. I mean, that's something to talk about after church, isn't it? Like, that's a, pretty, that's a pretty amazing Sunday morning experience. And that's what happens here. And I love verse 5 because it says this. Jesus saw their faith. Jesus saw their faith. I mean, that, that's a big deal. Let me ask you this. Can God see your faith? Are you doing anything that demonstrates to him that you believe him, that you trust him? 
See, God wants to see our faith. He wants to know that we believe this. So we're not settling that we want more. And when we act in faith, when he can see our faith, you know what's going to come? The greatest miracle of our life. For that paralyzed man and his friends that had such great faith, there was no greater miracle in their life ever. It's when they step out, when God sees your faith. I want to tell you, God has so much more for you. Is it going to be easy? No. But is it going to be better? Yes. It's going to be the best. It's going to be God's miracle power in your life. Do not settle. Take a step of faith. You say, I've tried before. No, I'm saying do it again. Whether big, small, take that step of faith. Take that step of faith to say, I'm going to begin to pay off my debts. Take that step of faith to say, I'm I'm going to begin to get healthy. Take that step of faith to say, I'm not going to live and settle in that addiction anymore. I'm going to stop it again. You know, I'm going to I'm going to try again. I'm going to I'm going to invest in my marriage. I'm going to invest in my kids. I'm I'm going to do my relationship with you, God. I'm not settling anymore. I want to know you. I want to see you. I want to be close to you. I want my heart to know you, God. I will not settle. That's what God's calling us to do. I want you in this moment of the message to turn your attention toward the screen. And, and I want to show you a video from someone by the name of Nick Vajuvic. And, and perhaps you know him. He was actually born with no arms and no legs. And, and if there is anybody in life that could have settled, it's Nick. But he's done anything but settle. And, and in this video, I want you to hear his heart and listen to what he says, but, but also know, as, I love what he says, that, it, that if, if God doesn't give me the miracle, he makes me the miracle. I love that. So watch this and let God speak to your heart. What makes someone extraordinary? Their abilities. Their talents or simply their smile. When I first met Nick Vujicic, I knew I had just encountered someone extraordinary. From the moment he began to share his amazing story with me, I witnessed firsthand how God is using a man with no arms and no legs to be God's hands and his feet. My dad was saying that he was, you know, his head was next to my mum's head as, uh, as I was being born. And he saw my shoulder and he just went pale. He was hoping my mum didn't see me because he saw that I had no right arm. And my dad had to leave the room and he couldn't believe what he saw. And the doctor came in and my dad said, my son, he has no right arm. And he says, no, your son has no arms or legs. And he said he nearly fell on the floor. He couldn't believe it. And the whole church was mourning, you know, like, why would God let the pastor son be born that way? And my mom, at first, she didn't want to hold me. She didn't want to, you know, breastfeed me and all that. Um, She just felt very uncomfortable for the first four months. And it took them quite a while before they could trust in God that he didn't make a mistake, that he didn't forget them or me. Nick's parents gave their fear and even disappointment in their son's disability over to the Lord. They chose to trust God and his promise that he had a plan and purpose, a hope and a future for their son. But as the years passed, Nick, on the other hand, had many challenges trusting in a God that he felt gave him less. I challenged God. I said, God, 
I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I won't probably have peace until you're in my heart, but I will not let you in my heart until you answer me, why? Why did you take my arms and legs? Why didn't you give me what everybody else has? And I said, God, until you answer me that question, I will not serve you. And so I wanted to end it. If God wasn't going to end my pain, I was going to end it myself. So at age eight, I tried to drown myself in a bathtub of four inches of water. I told my mum and dad, I'm just going to relax in the bathtub. Can you put me in the bathtub? And uh, yeah, I turned over a couple times to see if I could do it. I couldn't do it. Um, the thought that stopped me from going through with it was the love for my parents. Because um, I, I love them so much and all they did was love me. And I thought to myself, if I actually went through with this, I pictured my funeral, I pictured my parents, and also was guilt on their shoulders that they couldn't have done more. That would be the last time Nick would attempt suicide, but it wouldn't be the last time he would come face to face with those deep issues that made him want to end the pain. Then one day, Nick's mother had him read an article about a severely disabled man, and that man's story made a huge impact on Nick. <laughs> I have a choice to either be angry at God for what I don't have or be thankful for what I do have. And my mom, she said, Nick, God's going to use you. I don't know how, I don't know when, but God's going to use you. And those seeds started penetrating in my heart. And that's when I started seeing that there is no point in being complete on the outside when you're broken on the inside. And I found out that God can heal you without changing the circumstance. I gave my life to Jesus Christ when I read John 9 at age 15, where a man was coming through a village, and a man, um, this, this blind man from birth, Jesus saw him, people said, why was this man born that way? Jesus said, it was done so that the works of God may be revealed through him. And in 2 Timothy 3 verse 16, it says, all scripture is God-breathed. And I believe God breathed in me life and faith. This faith came over me. This peace came over me. And I felt like God answered my question. And what was the question and what was the answer? The question was, why? Why did you make me this way? And the answer was, do you trust me? That's the question. And when you say yes to that question, nothing else matters. But what was it specifically for you that made you say, Lord, I'm going to trust your word because I know it's true. I'm going to trust you even if I don't know what you have in store for me tomorrow. Right. Because there was nothing else I could find. There was nothing else that could give me peace. I knew arms and legs wouldn't give me peace anyway, arms and legs alone. Um, I needed to know the truth of who I am, why I'm here, and where I'm going when I'm not here. And I haven't found that truth anywhere else but in Jesus Christ. And it was in Jesus Christ where Nick found the strength to do what many thought would be the impossible. It's so hard to be strong when people constantly say, you're not good enough, you, you know, go away, you know, we don't want anything to do with you. Nick, you're a nobody. Nick, you can't do this. Nick, you can't do that. Nick, 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 Nick. In life, if you don't know the truth, then you can't be free. Because then you'll believe that the lies are the truth. But once we realize that when we read the Word of God and you know the truth of who you are, I am not a man without arms and legs. I'm a, I am a child of God. 
I am forgiven of my sins. I'm an ambassador of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I'm nothing but a servant of the Most High God. This is not about Nick. It's not about Nick's capacity and capability to become this conqueror. I am nothing. I'm nothing. God, though, lives in me. And I now live in his strength. And whatever Jesus conquered, I conquer. I believe if God doesn't give you a miracle, you are a miracle of God for somebody else's salvation. And I thank God that he didn't answer my prayer when I was begging him for arms and legs at age eight. Because guess what? Because I have no arms and no legs, he's using me all around the world. And we've seen so far, approximately, uh, this is conservative, 200,000 souls come to Jesus Christ for the very first time in the last six, seven years. And what would you rather? Would you rather have arms and legs, Nick, here on earth and no arms? No. Whatever his will is. Because I'd rather have no arms and no legs temporarily here on earth to be able to reach someone else for Jesus Christ and then spend eternity with them there. In the last decade, Nick has shared his story in 24 countries to over 3 million people. And whether he's talking to a stadium packed with people or one single person, his heart behind the message is the same. God loves you. That he hasn't forgotten your pain. He hasn't forgotten your family. And maybe while you're watching this interview, you've compared your suffering to my suffering. And that's not where hope is, to know that someone else, in your opinion, is suffering more than you. That's not where hope is. But hope is in the name of God, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hope is when you compare your suffering to the infinite, immeasurable love and grace of God. Isaiah 40, verse 31, says, Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. I didn't need my circumstance to change. I don't need arms and legs. I need the wings of the Holy Spirit. And I'm flying because I know Jesus is holding me up. Don't give up on God, because God will not give up on you. We all face obstacles in life, and I believe that um, a lot of times we face obstacles in life because God has a greater future for us. He has something that he's calling us to do. We can play the if-only game, but I encourage you not to. You say, well, if, if only I had a different situation, if only I hadn't made that mistake, if only I wasn't laid off, if only I didn't have that accident, only if my past was, if it was just different, if, if only, if only. Nick didn't say, if only. Could you imagine David saying, well, if only Goliath wasn't so big. Gideon saying, well, if only the Midian army wasn't so strong. Joseph saying, if only my brothers hadn't sold me into slavery, don't play the if-only game. The obstacles in our life are sometimes there. They're not there to hold us back. They're there to thrust us into what God has for us. That's the story Nick just shared. That's the story of our life. Our troubles, our irritations, our difficulties are meant to do something great. So get that spirit of Caleb inside and say, okay, let's go. We can do this. Why? Because God is on our side.
God is with us. And it's up to us now to act in faith. It's time to get serious about application when it comes to a a message about not settling. And you've got to get to that place where you say, I'm not going to settle anymore. I love Nick's faith. In fact, you can go on YouTube and see so many videos by him, even as a DVD about his life. It's phenomenal. I encourage you to get it. But in one of the interviews that he does, he says, you know what? I believe that God can heal me. I believe that God can give me arms and legs. And he goes, so I went out and I bought a pair of shoes that I have with me in case God gives me feet. I just thought that was great. I just love that type of faith. And, and that, that whatever he faces, whatever he goes through, it's like, you know what, God? This way, that way, it doesn't matter for your glory, for your kingdom, for your story, God. I want us to, to not settle because God hates settling. He's saying, you've stayed at the mountain long enough. It's time to move. It's time to go. This week, I went with Matthew to, to GameStop, and he got the, his, the new game that he wanted. And, and um, I'm uh, of the generation, I just missed being excited about games. I don't play video games. I, I know a lot of people love video games, but... I think I, I played Ms. Pac-Man a couple times or something, but I don't, I don't play video. I just don't play video games. But I know the kids love it, so I go, and we went to, to GameStop, and we have to go through our criteria if you can buy this game or not. And so we went through it, and he could, this is a game he could get, so he gets it, and he gets home, and he puts it in the Xbox, and he starts going, and, and he, I mean, he dials that up to the hardest level from the very beginning. He gets the game, dials it up. And part of, of, of getting a game like that is I have to watch him play it for a while just, again, to make sure that the rating is okay. So I'm watching him play, and he's just getting wiped out. Boom, boom, boom. But wiped out again and again and again. And I'm like, Matthew, why don't you just set it on the easy level? And then, then you, can start, you, know, you can start winning a little bit and just get a feel for the game. You know, why don't you set it on the easy level? And he goes, no way, Dad. If I set it on the easy level, I'm not going to get any better. He says, I'm only going to get good if I keep it on the hardest level. And, and just a few days later, I mean, he's almost got the game beat. Because he kept it on the hard level. You know what we do in life so often? Is we dial it down to the easy level. We settle. I don't want, to, I don't want anything hard. I don't want to have to believe God for it. I don't want to have to live in faith. I love what Nick said. He goes, when you say to God, I trust you, that's all you need to say. Do we listen to God? Do we follow him? You cannot live a spirit-filled life and settle. God has so much more for you. Will it be easy? No. But will it be better? It'll be the best. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? And and, um, we are not done. I just want you to have an attitude of prayer. And I I would like you to, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, have a a pen and your sermon notes near to you, because I'm going to ask you to write some things down just in your prayer time. Nothing that I'm going to tell you, just what you feel the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. But I just want to have this quiet time, and and they're they're going to put some worship music on in just a moment, and and I'm going to stop talking, and we're going to let the Holy Spirit do His work. But as we go into a prayer time, um, and if you you have your bulletins nearby, the Bible blog this week is actually from from Nick. And in the Bible blog, he, he shares on his website how to have a relationship with Christ. Maybe you find yourself in Christmas, in church at Christmas time, and 
and you, and you need that relationship with Jesus Christ, you can just open up your, your bulletin and just look at it there. And what does it mean to follow Christ? What does it mean to, to have that relationship with God? That's right there. Maybe that's your first step today, just to say, I need that relationship with you. And if you need to take that first step, you take that first step. And I just and I want to share your heart just again with your head bowed, your eyes closed. And, and again, now I'm going to talk to those that know God today. And as I look around the room, I see so many great family and friends. And you know, we're just a family here at Christian Life. And so I know that as I look around the room, so many of you know Jesus. And I want you at this Christmas time to, to just have the attitude that Mary had when the angel came and visited her. God asked her to do a very difficult thing. And you know what her response was? I am your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. Just that simple statement, I'm your servant. God, I'm here. I am signing up. I'm ready. Mary didn't settle. And you're not to settle this Christmas either. I'm going to pray for just a moment and then I'm going to ask you to pray and ask God what he wants you to do so that we can get serious about applying this message. Lord, in in just a moment, I'm going to stop talking and God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would come and speak to our lives into the areas in which we have settled where you want to show your glory. God, where you want to be active where you want to do a miracle. And God, I pray that, uh, Lord, we would just be sensitive to that. Lord, in the next minute or so, there will be those in this room that begin a relationship with you. Lord, I thank you that you love them and that you're drawing them into your family even now. Lord, there's those of us that will have the attitude of Mary, that we are your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. May we just have that heart right now as you speak Holy Spirit. We love you, Lord, and we wait on you. In the quietness of this moment, I'm just going to ask you to write down, physically write down in your sermon notes in the back of your bulletin, just write down what the Holy Spirit is asking you to do, where he's asking you not to settle anymore. And take pen to paper as we wait on the Lord as he speaks to you. Speak Holy Spirit now to every heart and life in Jesus' name.
closing in just a minute. So I would just right now begin to write down, if you haven't already, just write down what the Spirit is asking you not to settle in anymore. Maybe it's an action step. Maybe it's something to stop. Maybe it's something to start. Just write it down. close. I'm going to pray for you. And I just I feel led that we should do this this morning. And so today, I, I want to lead you in a prayer that if you say, again, maybe you're watching, maybe you're listening, maybe you're sitting right here and you know that today is the day to begin that relationship with God. I'm going to ask you just to repeat this prayer after me. Believe it in your heart, confess it with your mouth, and today you will be saved. You repeat this prayer, everyone here, dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I want to invite you into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Let me pray for you this morning. God, we thank you for those that entered the kingdom. Lord, we thank you that you're making them new. And God, that, uh, Lord, you have a great, great plan for their life. Lord, you're delivering them from slavery, taking them to the promised land. Lord, increase their faith and their life in you. Lord, for those of us that know you, that just said that prayer again, Lord, our hearts are wide open to what you have for us. God, we don't know what the rest of this year and the new year holds. But Lord, we want to end this year well and just just like rocket fuel, send us off in a new year. Because God, we know you have something greater for us. Lord, you've been speaking not only through your word, but through the prophetic word, God, that you're up to something big. And so God, we do not want to settle for what is easy, for what is safe. God, we want what is best. God, we want to see your miracle power at work in our house, Lord, as a church, but also in our lives, in our families, until your glory covers this earth. So, Lord, do your good and perfect will. We love you today, and we honor you, and we thank you, God, that you will now give us the strength to do what we have written down according to the Holy Spirit, what you're calling us to do, Lord, we're going to get serious about applying this now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I just want to encourage you to to go and live this out. And uh, maybe something that that you can do this week is 
uh, take the, the tickets that you got on your bulletin and invite a neighbor. There's, there are a bunch of tickets in the lobby. Take as many as you want to give them out. We, we gave them to our neighbors yesterday. and We want you to invite your friends, your, your neighbors to come. It's going to be a powerful presentation, not only with music and drama, but of the, of the gospel message. And uh, it's going to be a great Christmas treat. So invite as many people as you can to the musical. Pick up a devotional in the lobby. Jumpstart each day with God. Just, just get, in, get into the Word. Get, in, get into what He has for you. If you're here for the first time at church, I want to say welcome to you. We actually have the book, um, uh, Breakout by Joel Osteen, and this is actually a section out of that book, an entire part. There's about five chapters on just what I preach today. It's different than what I preach today, but it it's, it's comes from that. So uh, you can go ahead and get that. If you're here for the first time, we want to give that to you as a gift. Or if you just want to pick it up and read it, I think you can buy it at a discount out there. But I just encourage you to go out and live this. Don't settle for, the, for anything less in your life or in your relationship with God, because God wants to do great things. Amen? Amen. I'm going to invite uh, Lars up here, and, and he's going to share before we receive the blessing of the Lord. So good to have